what are the most important things to me? What am I willing to fight for? What makes me feel like I'm living a successful life? And you kind of identify those things. When your environment is simplified and there's less clutter and less things, you have to make a lot less internal decisions. You find that people connect better. People connect better when there's less stuff. This is not a fast, quick process. This is kind of an unfurling of a life and a sacred time. Hello, and welcome to the Age Stage Podcast, where it is our mission to equip you with the resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with the ones you love as they age, and enrich your life with a renewed sense of self-worth, self-confidence, and peace of mind. I'm your host, Dr. Cheryl Matthew. Welcome to this episode of Age Stage, Declutter and Focus on What Matters Most with Mary Van Geffen. As a decluttering expert and life coach, Mary shares her unique approach to letting go of the things that clutter our lives. With an abundance of sensitivity to the inner emotional struggle and overwhelm we all feel when letting go of things and fears, Mary shows us how to make space for the things that matter most. I'm really happy you're joining us. I believe Mary's contribution will leave you feeling lighter and more free. We'll speak with Mary right after a word from one of our sponsors. Every passage in life has its ups and downs, decisions and transitions, a beginning and an end. I invite you to navigate life's journey like an age sage, fully living, learning, and loving. As we care for our aging loved ones, we also need to make time to care for ourselves. So this is our safe space to share challenges, wisdom, and joy along life's adventure. I'm your guide, Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and this is Age Sage. My guest today is Mary Van Geffen. Mary is a certified professional coach and an expert in helping people find more peace and connection to things that truly matter. Mary coaches parents of young kids how to be more confident and connected to their children, and she guides adults through decluttering and downsizing their homes. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. It's so cool to be here. As I started thinking about this topic of things that are important, I just realized that it's such an important piece of for our age sages. I think when we're younger, in my experience anyway, when we're younger, there's this collecting stuff. Like we make money, we start to work, we want to buy things, we want to buy cars and stuff for our house and electronics. And we, we go through a time that it's about collecting things and having things in the world. And then as we get older, now I'm totally generalizing, but as we get older, I, I believe that we start realizing that it's not really the things mm. that we truly want. That, you know, when we have all the things that we wanted and we have that car and they're like, you know, there's still this empty space inside or we get the house that we wanted and, and there's still this desire inside for more. To me, when I experience your work, and I love watching all your Instagram posts and um, your stories, and you're so insightful. You give so many nuggets of how to just be present and connect with people and things in a really meaningful way. So when we look around at our stuff, uh, I think it's so important, like how we relate to it. And it's similar to how you teach people how to relate to their kids when they're parents of younger people. 
And as we get older, you know, as an adult child, it might be how I relate to my parent and their stuff that they might have collected in their house. Or as an older person myself, how I relate to my stuff and my things, what I think is important, how that draws on my energy, and then how to declutter, how to get rid of things. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the work that you do with people and how you help them with decluttering. Okay. Yeah. I I would just as a caveat, like 80% of my work is being on the phone with an overwhelmed mom who's looking to feel more confident about the decisions she's making and who feels like maybe her child's out of control or her life's out of control. And what comes up so often in that is the environment. So as an outgrowth of helping parents, I began to go to people's homes and help them get a more simplified environment because when your environment is simplified and there's less clutter and less things, you have to make a lot less internal decisions. You have to kind of ward off that feeling of overwhelm a lot less when you don't have a lot of things around you. And so you find that people connect better. People connect better when there's less stuff. And so it just sort of became something where I would go, especially if there's been a divorce or a death. um, I'm almost like a doula for people sitting with their stuff who are finally ready. Like, okay, I, I need to only keep what supports the life I'm trying to live. And so I kind of go with them and I'm a little bit Marie Kondo and a little bit not. And the Marie Kondo part is let's pick the easiest thing first. People love to jump into like mementos and letters and photos. That is the last thing you declutter because it's so laden with sentimental memories and who you wish you were going to be that you aren't. You know, there's just a lot of grief that can also come with your sentimental objects. So we always start with something way um, easier. Can you tell the listeners what Marie Kondo means or who it is? Sure, yeah. So Marie Kondo is this Japanese lady who's sort of revolutionized the art of decluttering because she doesn't want you to go by room. Um, You know, a lot of people go, well, I'm just going to go into this back guest room and it's time to clear this out. She would have you in the Marie Kondo approach, pick a category like all your clothes And she'd have you bring everything out of every cabinet that has clothing in it. And so sometimes I'll go to someone's house and they'll say, yeah, this is it. And I'll say, well, do you mind if I go look in the guest room closets and and can I go look in the garage? And we'll invariably find more. And the whole point of that is just that you see everything at once in a category and it kind of calms your nervous system. Like I have enough. It's okay to let go of things. But if I was going to sum up Marie Kondo, it's that everything that you have in your home should spark joy. And we have a lot of stuff in our homes that actually brings us down, that says mean things to us, that makes us feel inferior or like, oh, I was going to be that person and now I'm not. And so when we can let go of that and just keep what really makes us happy, it really changes the way we live. I've heard Marie Kondo a little bit. And I the thing that I remember about her is she asks like each item, does this bring me joy? Mm. And I think I've heard you talk about another question is, do I want to bring this into my future? Which is really powerful. Yes. I I even asked myself, like, is this item going to make my life easier? Or is it actually going to take more 
effort for me to manage this item and to think about this item. And there's also, will getting this item or keeping this free me up to have more time with my family? Because I'm going to come from the point of view that it's relationships. Like you were talking about that hole that some of us have that we thought that by going and buying something we could fill. I think that hole gets filled through relationship. So every item that I keep in my home or that I bring into my home really should be about improving the relationships in my life. With the age stage audience, we realized that there's a few different people that we're talking to. So sometimes it's the adult child trying to help their parent who might still live at home, maybe the family home they've lived in for a long time. And either the parent wants to downsize or the adult child wants them to downsize. So it could be a nagging child like, can you just get rid of this stuff? So when you die, I don't have to deal with it. Mm. And the parent may or may not be willing. And sometimes it's just time to downsize as far as getting rid of some things in the home or maybe it's time to move into an assisted living and they have to decide, okay, well, what do I want to bring? I'm going from a 2,000 square foot house to a 600 square foot apartment. What do I want to bring? What's important? And also people could be adult children or loved ones of someone who's passed away. So it might be a house full of someone else's things that they're left with to deal with. Can you tell me a little bit about how you work with, say, let's go with the first audience. Say it's an adult child and their parent is still at home and either the adult child wants them to to declutter or the parent, the, the older adult, is ready to downsize. What's the strategy? How do you go about doing that? Well, I'll say that 100% of declutterers are hired to declutter a person's junk, right? Or they're a person's things. We're never hired to declutter a parent's things because really like, you don't want to step into the sovereignty of that parent. Like we each have to decide when we're ready to get rid of our things. I'll even work with a husband or a wife. And when we get to a husband's box of things, we leave it alone because it's not the wife's things. Whoever the client is, I guess, we have to just work with that client's things. So if we started with um, somebody who's looking to downsize um, and it's their own items, I would first off say, involve other people. It really helps you be accountable when you tell other people what your plan is, like telling your 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 best friend or your kids, hey, I'm going to start doing this. But then ask for their physical company. Like if you can get your children to come and spend a weekend with you helping you to do this, you need support. And it's also a great time to share your wishes. Like I, I want you to have this or to even begin to start gifting some things. I like the idea of giving away your items as presents while you're still around to watch people enjoy them. One lady, instead of bringing flowers to her daughter's house for dinner, would bring, here's a here's this pot. I know you've always liked it. Now it's yours, that kind of thing. But I, I just mostly is don't do it alone. And then tactically, I really recommend bringing like three long white tables and setting them up and picking one area or one category and putting all that stuff on the table. And it just sort of elevates it and treats that stuff with respect. You can see it all. Maybe you decide to do all kitchen appliances or all kitchen serving utensils. Get it all out where you can see it. And then if I were working with you, we would touch each item. The idea is if you want to keep it, it's worth touching. 
If you're like, oh, I don't know what's in there, but we're going to hold on to it. It doesn't really make logical sense, right? If it matters to you and you love it, then let's have a moment to interact with that thing. So you can hold it and say, ah, yes, I do love this thing. Or sometimes people will pick something up and go, well, I got this because I was going to, I wanted to learn how to bake. And you can hear it in their voice that there is guilt and there is a should have, could have, would have vibe that it's just not who you want to be in the future. You don't need that heaviness on you. So really letting somebody else into your process as you interact with each item and give them maybe permission to say, sounds like you don't really find a lot of joy in that thing. You know, I was reminded about the depth of what you're talking about. Recently we had, um, the family got together and helped uh, one of the family members declutter. So this person is in their mid seventies and wanted to have less stuff in the house and make room for something that she thought she really wanted. Now, it took years for her to actually sit down, allow people in, rent a dumpster (laughs) to get rid of things. That's commitment. Uh, Yes. And on the face of it, it seemed like, isn't this easy? It's just stuff. Let's get a dumpster. It's old. You haven't touched it in a long time. We'll just throw it out. At that level, it seems just like an easy task. And I was reminded again, and I've been doing this for 20 years, over 20 years. I was reminded again at the depth of emotions that are tied up in it. Some of the things were things, belongings of her husband who passed away 15 years ago that she was still keeping and need, knew and some, at some level, it was going to be a decision, do I throw that away yet or not? Am I done with it? And as, as we started to go through things, I, w- I was aware, and she'd start talking about it. We, we were doing your strategy that you suggested, you know, bring the things out, let her touch things, go through. And as she warmed up through the process, she kind of warmed up and kind of got into it, like, oh, I can do this. As you heard, confidence was growing. Yes. And she looked at each item and I could just see, you know, sometimes she'd buy eight of something. And because it seemed like, well, geez, that's just more stuff. But I saw what she really wanted was she wanted the whole family to come over. And she was going to use all those items for all the family members and this whole vision of what that was going to be. And by getting rid of it, that meant that vision or that dream was never going to happen. And so it really shifted again of taking it from, oh, mom, just throw that stuff away, or oh, sister, just throw that stuff away, to let's look at the dreams and the hopes and the wishes that those things represent. Yes. I had a client who was about 75, and she was taking a a pretty large home and was going to go down to just a one-bedroom apartment. And she was excited about this apartment, but um, she hired me to just do books And as we're going through, there was what looked to me just like a bunch of paperwork collecting dust. And I said, what would you like to do with this? And she said, oh, that's my pharmacy stuff. I was a pharmacist. I, I am a pharmacist. And I could just sense her 
the grief of not going into work anymore, not having a community, not being um, thought of as this person that brings health to other people. And she just needed a moment to talk about. So instead of me grabbing and going, well, you don't need any more, I said, what, what did you love about being a pharmacist? And, and that's what I want to make sure that your listeners do. If you're helping somebody go through this process, really make space and time for stories Decluttering can be a total time of connection if you know that that's the higher calling is to say, I saw you kind of smile when you held that figurine. What does that remind you of? Or what trip did you get this on? And just letting it be a time. There's no, it's not a fast, quick process. This is kind of an unfurling of a life and a sacred time. And as you're describing it, I see it as such a gift. So that both people really need to be in the space to participate at that level. You know, it's like timing is everything. So that both people are willing and cooperating uh, so they're not forced into doing something. I think consent is really important here. And sometimes we can think, I'm going to come in there, I've taken a day off, and I'm going to get this place cleaned up for my mom. And that dynamic and that intensity can be kind of frightening when someone's thinking about their things. I have a client who hired me just to do jackets. And as I started to pull all the jackets out, something in her demeanor changed. And it was as if she was beginning to feel a little bit out of control. She had hired me, but suddenly here I was actually moving all of her stuff and pulling the things out. And I think we have to be prepared to sort of stop everything and say, where are you at this? Is this, how is this feeling? Should we take a break? And so, you know, with this lady, I was there primarily to be the physical person that can lift. Um, And her shoulders were not in a place where she could even try the jackets on. So I would hold them up and, and she needed each one to be held up and to tell a story about it. And then like you kind of alluded to, her joy meter started to kick in and she was like, well, I wear that during Christmas, but I haven't worn that in three years. You know what? Get rid of that. And it was neat to see the lightning as she sort of became skilled at knowing what she immediately was like, oh yes, of course we're keeping that. And then those maybes began to be heck knows. When I moved in with my partner, I was looking around the house and she had a lot of little tchotchke stuff around and just stuff. And I looked around and I said, you know, I was pointing to some things and I said, what does it mean to you? Why is that important? And it was just a, it was just a question. And what was fantastic was she really took the time and it just took moments to go, actually, no, I haven't seen that item in a long time. I went through a phase where I liked lighthouses and then everybody started giving me lighthouses <laughs> as gifts. And then I have all these lighthouses and I don't even care about lighthouses anymore. So then she just got rid of them. And the way you're holding your body is almost like a lightness. She was like, yay, they're gone. Right, yeah. And I do see that the things we have around us take up our energy, Mm. whether we're aware of it or not. Some things are incomplete, like, oh, that thing over there, that little porcelain doll fell off the shelf three years ago. She's got a broken leg and I just need to get the glue to put it on. But she's laying there with a broken leg still needing to be repaired. So it's not only doesn't bring me joy, but it's also it's on my to-do list. So there's things around my house that, you know, that the stuff around our house that sometimes it it doesn't bring joy or sometimes it's a 
a project that needs to be done that's holding our energy. So when we start to be honest with ourselves and take a real look like, does this bring me joy? Keep it or doesn't it? I don't want to bring it forward. Then we can actually get more energy in our life. Yeah. I like the metaphor that every item you own has like a a silk thread to your heart and it takes energy and just a part of you to manage every single thing you own. And so when you start to get rid of more things, there's more space in your heart to, for the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you said with the idea of the lighthouse, sometimes we need somebody to come in with fresh eyes because we have stopped seeing the things, even the things that are broken, but subconsciously we see them. So one technique that can really help is to take everything out of a space and then just add back what you love. So with the lighthouses, it's to gather all the lighthouses into a box and then say, now pick your favorites and let's pull them back out. Or to take everything out of a drawer and say, let's just put back what brings us joy. Because sometimes we need sort of a fresh space so it's not so overwhelming. Sometimes a caregiver, say uh, adult child or caregiver will come to me and they're concerned about their older parent or older adult and they think they need to do something to help. And one of the things I hear often is the relief that they feel when I give them permission not to do anything. Meaning, sometimes people try to be helpful or they think, this person's not doing as well as I used to, they need my help, and I'm gonna be a good daughter and good daughters help. And really, sometimes parents don't want the help right then. So you've talked a lot about giving consent. So it seems like one of the relieving things for adult children could could be just giving them permission, themselves permission to let their parents do it however they want to. Hmm. That they could keep the stuff if they want to or not. You as the adult child are going to be going through that stuff at some point. And it's just a matter of when, right? So it might be in the best case scenario, it's with your parent and they're telling you the stories and they're telling you what matters about each of those as you slowly and lovingly kind of go through what to keep. Or it might be after your parent has passed and then you're sort of doing it alone or with a sibling. And for a lot of people, it's both. But I guess I would just say, find your highest self, the part of you that most wants to stay connected to your parent. And that means allowing them to live the way they want to live. And they really may not be as affected by the clutter as you are. We're a different generation. I know for me, I'm highly sensitive. So when I'm in an environment with a lot of stuff, I do find it overwhelming. But somebody else with kind of a thick skin and, oh, I just walk around these piles, they might be okay. So we can't put our um, judgments on our parents. We have to kind of let them live the way they want to live. Mm -hmm. There's also that person that every time you come to their home wants to give you some of their stuff. And I think we have to be really careful when we're giving things away that once we give it, it has to be a gift. We can't follow up on it. And where's that thing I gave you? It really has to be an open-handed gift. And so it's gone now. It And allowing that person to do whatever they want. And so sometimes when we're decluttering, it's like, oh, someone gave me that. Well, the way around that is to take a moment of gratitude that that person would be so thoughtful and that moment when they gave it to you, what a wonderful connecting moment. 
thank you for your service. And now you may go. Mm -hmm. There doesn't have to be bad feelings around that. It's okay to not hold on to gifts somebody else gave you. It really was about the moment of connection and the gift, not so much the physical object. What's nice now, because we have our, you know, our phones, our cameras, and it's so easy to take pictures and store pictures and things, that sometimes I'll just take a picture of something and then let it go. You know, it's it could be what things of my daughter's when she was little do I want to keep? Oh my gosh, she created this in art when she was in first grade. Isn't this adorable? And, you know, sometimes I give myself like, okay, whatever fits in this box of her artwork and amazing belongings, I'll keep. And then I'll take pictures of the rest and and get rid of it. And it's funny, I still have a couple boxes, I think one or two like regular size storage boxes of things from my teens. Like I used to play racquetball and I have stories, you know, paper clippings of racquetball articles or, or, you know, I still have, I kept one of my trophies or um, what else? Like pictures of things like people I used to work with, you know, so I have this box and I asked myself like, why do I have this box? For a long time, I thought like, that's what I do. I had some rule about, well, that's what people do. They keep that stuff, that high school sweater. Don't you keep that? And then as I'm getting older and then working with people, you know, who are getting older and passing away, I go, well, I go in that box like every few years, like when I, like I remember something, I need to find it or like, is my daughter really going to care about that box of stuff of mine that I kept? So it's interesting, the rules that we have around that I find myself doing. um, And then just sometimes it's just the awareness of it. Like, oh, I didn't realize I had that rule about things you keep and things you don't keep. And then finding out what works for me. And that rule, it's funny that it has to do a little bit with where your daughter want to look at that stuff. And I think that as we get older, we really do our children a disservice if we're reluctant to go through our own things and we're almost putting it off so that then they're going to have to do it. And I love this. Um, there's a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleansing, which sounds very intense, but it, it really um, advocates a methodical, thoughtful perusing of your contents and just sort of gently and slowly being up to speed with your items, what you want to keep and what you don't. But she, this this author, Margareta Magnusson, makes the point that why would you avoid going through your items and not taking any time to really focus on them and then make sure that that means that your children are going to have to take time off work and come go through things that you didn't even want to go through when you were alive. So I think there's something so amazing about a life where every item is alive still. Every item still matters. But when we have things in a box off, you know, at the top of a closet, that stuff's not really alive anymore. And so I love the idea of kind of waking it up and taking a look at it. And it sounds like your thing is kind of alive. You, you revisit it every once in a while. But this author would even say, like, put a tape on there that says throw out. So that when your children come around, they don't they aren't forced to go through it piece by piece and figure out what what would mom would have wanted for this? What was the point of this? What how did it matter? You're sort of leaving your children with a lot of difficult, unanswerable questions. Mm-hmm. In my experience, people's stuff gives them some kind of meaning or purpose or importance. I think it's so funny sometimes where I 
I think, oh, I'm going to have a garage sale and get rid of my stuff, my extra stuff. And then I want to put this price on it that's like super high, like my stuff is worth a lot of money. But then I'll go to some other garage sale and I'm like, really, you want that for that much money for that piece of crap? So, we, you know, our stuff, we, I, I think we, at least for me, I always think it's more valuable. So when you go, when you're working with someone to declutter their things, what I heard you say was follow their lead, be a witness to their stories and their physical helper, and get, say you suggested three like white tables out for their stuff. Yeah, I would also have plastic dark trash bags that you can't see through and designate one for things that we can throw away, one for things that a shelter or Goodwill or the Vets of America would love, and then another for things that are going to a specific person and, you know, with a sticky on them. And there's something called Ohio, O-H-I-O, which is only handle it once. So if you pick up a glass, when, when you say, oh yeah, this brings me joy, I want to keep it, or, you know, I really want Susan to have that, that's great. But if you say, I'm not sure, let me put that in a maybe pile, you're just deferring it. And so a deferred decision is so energy robbing because you got to come back around to it and do it again. I like to think that if you're not sure, then the answer is you don't need it anymore. Because can you just imagine if everything in your room, let's say you're downsizing and you're going to just have a room, if everything in there was just pulsing with joy because you loved it and it it was functional, you could use it, but also it reminded you of, of who you're becoming and who matters to you. So as you're going through things and picking them up and making a decision, do I love this enough to keep it? That's kind of the question. Not what should I get rid of, but what do I love so much I want to keep? And that sort of shifts the way our brain's working. And anything that isn't just like a heck yes, go ahead and let it go. And do choose a category that's the least emotional. So for some people, that's books. Bring all the books, put them out on a counter, and then just go from the left to the right. And it's great if you can, as the older person, not even be doing any of the lifting. You know, um, when I worked with books with one lady, I just would pick them up and and I would say, just put your hand on it. I wanted her to just put her palm on it so she could have an interaction with that book. And she she would e- either be like, oh, yes, I, I loved that book. And then I would say, okay, and is it a book you still want to be able to interact with? Yes, I do. But what helped us is she knew exactly how wide her bookcase was that she was moving to. And so as she would say, yes, I would put it in a stack. And we had agreed that in the end, it needs to be the amount that's going to fit in the bookcase you're going to have. So she got sort of stronger and better at making that decisions. She was able to let some things go that, oh, she's like, they're classics. This is a beautiful book. And and I would spend a moment and say, it is a beautiful book. And you don't want to resist the person. There's no reason to go, yeah, but remember you said just sit with it for a moment and allow that person just sort of let that wave of understanding and then have gratitude for it. It was a beautiful book. Thank you to this book. Thank you to the person who gave it to me. Thank you to the author who created it. And now you may go. And then you put that, never look at it again. It goes in the Goodwill bag and be great if the people who are helping you leave the house with it when they're done so that you're not seeing it again and maybe second guessing. How do you suggest 
especially for adult children working with their parents who, you know, sometimes there's a frustration of, mom, can't you just get rid of it? It just seems so easy. What suggestion do you have so people could really sit with their parent or their loved one and see them and honor them? How do you get to that place when it might, how do you go from frustration to stopping and seeing them through this process? Mm. I think well, what you're talking about there is values. Like you have a value of smoothness. Um, it's not even neatness. It's just smooth, no challenges just staring at you in the face, right? And everybody has values. And I think it starts with knowing your own. So before you kind of go tell your parents that they need to get it together, I think it's it's understanding like, what are the most important things to me? What am I willing to fight for? What makes me feel like I'm living a successful life? And you kind of identify those things. Maybe it's independence and being respectful. And somebody else is, oh, for me, it's all about community and being with nature. Those are two very different people. And the way that they're going to live a successful life is going to be so different. The person who wants independence, they may not want to get rid of their things because it's a symbol that they've lost their independence. So being really sensitive to like this stuff, it isn't really about these books. It's that when you give these books up or when you give your license up or whatever it is, or when you get rid of the car that you can no longer drive, you're somehow admitting that you can't be true to your own values, which is independence. So I think going beyond the inappropriate behavior or what seems to you easy to judge behavior and going to what's like the human need underneath it. What is that, the unspoken desire or need that your parent has? Um, and so it's really kind of like listening with your heart instead of your mind. And in the end, what what really matters? It's the relationship and no hurt feelings or disconnection is worth it to clean out their house earlier than they wanted to. So I, I guess I want to echo back what you said and give people permission to not hold on so tightly to clearing out the space unless it brings value to that parent and they're asking. And we could talk about like, how do you suggest to your parent, hey, would you like some help kind of getting organized or clearing out a little more space for whatever your new hobby is or making the the TV room just a little more cozy and um, less cluttered? Let me know because I'd love to help you with that. I think checking our own intent. If our intent is, well, I want to make it easier for me later on down the line, that maybe isn't the cleanest and highest order of things. Does that make any sense? That makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, I just sense a lot of grace and acceptance in the, in your strategy that you're suggesting. Yeah. You're not trying to change someone, but you're offering your assistance and your gifts, your talents to the situation if they want it. Yes, and then gracefully accepting if they don't. Mm-hmm. I think older people in our lives, they really want the time if we can go sit with them. And maybe you can say, can I go through a drawer? But if they're not interested in it, that can be a real source of stress. Why are you moving everything around? What are you, what are you doing? So really just, again, taking their lead. Sometimes the help can be misinterpreted. So sometimes you might run across someone who, if you say, hey, you know, do you want some help organizing your house so we can get rid of some stuff? They may say, well, you just want my things. You're just trying to get my stuff because our stuff is so important and, you know, represents something. Yeah. And what that person is really saying is, do I matter? 
And I think we can, if we can always get to that, the real question underneath the attack, or you never come around, you never help me with anything, really underneath that, like when your soul meets their soul later on in heaven or whatever your belief system is, the question is, did I matter? Do I matter to you? And so I think if we can have a a posture of you totally matter and you matter more than all this stuff. But if right now on this plane, you need to be holding on to all this stuff, I honor that. And I'm not going to forcibly try to take that away from you. So in terms of helping somebody who doesn't want the help, maybe just check your, like what's driving you to want to do that. In my experience, some people want their parents to handle it so they don't have to handle it later after they either have to move to assisted living or if they die, that they know that's going to be a big old job clearing your house. And so then they want, you know, they kind of pressure their parent into changing now. Sometimes they might be embarrassed if they go over to their house and they feel like, well, this is has more stuff than I think people should have. Mm. It's embarrassing to me. I wouldn't want anybody over. And, you know, it might Oftentimes it might kick up things from their childhood of, you know, it was never, it was never neat and organized. I remember I didn't never wanted my, my friends to come over and it's still like that. So may, and now I have more energy and power of you, my aging parent. So let me enforce this. Yeah. I could see where yeah. that becomes a little cloudy. Yeah. Because it is hard. I just want to like say to anyone out there who's caring for an aging parent, it is a big burden that, that that this will probably be left to you to go through. And it will be a time when you least want to do it because you'll be grieving the loss of, of you know, your your mommy or your daddy. So I get it. It's something that you're you're trying to be proactive so that you don't end up in a worse place than you are now. So I, I get it. I wish people could understand the gift that is giving their loved ones to plan and to write things out yes. before yeah. they die. You know, put it in the in the will or the trust. Uh, you know, my my sofa goes to Goodwill. Uh, my whatever, maybe something of value. Tell people where you want it. And that will really help, especially if there's more than one sibling involved or if you're leaving the things to more than one person. It can help in sibling rivalries, especially if there's multi- families involved, say if they're remarried and there's kids on both sides, sometimes that can get really messy if, if it's yes. not in writing. Especially if you kind of know the personalities and there's going to be somebody who just bulldozes through and takes charge and there's going to be other people who are more passive. You can really help to solidify their relationship by doing the planning ahead of time. And if you can handle it, I think inviting all those people to come over and and sort of have a discussion about it could be pretty helpful too, unless you want to sort of make it happen on your own, which is fine too. But um, yeah, I, I guess the question would be, how can I give instructions to this in a way that will protect the relationships of these siblings? Rather than let me get my um, final words, really, I think what you want is you want your children to be lifelong friends. What can you do to protect that? So they're not going, what, you got mom's silver cloud pitcher? Well, I guess I'm, you know, one thing I tell siblings is it really isn't about being financially equal. It's really about making sure that you treat each other with such generosity during that. But not every sibling is 
emotionally healthy enough to do that. So I think just thinking through like, what would make them not fight each other? What would, what would make it almost easier for them to band together than to go apart? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I do think that people need to be prepared that going through their parents' things after they pass away will probably bring up a lot of emotional baggage that you may or may not have dealt with in the past. You know, it could be, um, you know, with your siblings if there are multiple people. Yeah, there's um, a Dutch saying, it's a lot better to do it with warm hands than with cold ones. When it's fresh and it's on your mind and everybody's healthy, that's the time to do it rather than when you're gone and everyone's like, what the heck? (laughs) And I know one family of five siblings that were left after their mom passed, they spent two different weekends all together kind of going through everything. And a neighbor stopped by and said, wow, it's so weird to hear you guys in here laughing and being close during this process. She said, after my parents die, we don't speak to each other anymore because so-and-so got this item and I was supposed to get that. And there's a lot of sibling relationships that just crack upon the death of their parent. So it is such a gift to think, how can I do this in a way that also takes into consideration, there's usually a child that feels like they are the least loved or that you had a favorite. And taking that into consideration as you figure out who gets what, or better yet, having them over to the house, is there anything that's really important to you? And if three different siblings say, yeah, that's really important. Okay, great. I'm going to put a sticky here of all your names. And when I'm gone, you're going to draw out of a hat who gets it. And and this other family, what they did is they sort of went in birth order. Um, first, we're going to put all of the... Um, photos out and the oldest gets to choose first and then we'll go in order. Then we're going to go over here to these um, yadros and we're going to have the second born gets to pick first and then we'll keep going in order. And so it's sort of a systematic way that takes out of the equation sort of some of that birth order stuff where somebody's real bossy and the other people, you know, behind the back of that person are angry that they didn't get their way. So whatever you can do as a parent, it's mm-hmm. worth talking about up front. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me that, you know, a lot of people will never want to deal with this kind of thing while they're alive, either the parent or the child, because it would be admitting that sometime they're going to not be here because maybe they always want a picture. Well, mom's always going to live in that house and the stuff is going to always be the same. And I'm always going to go over there for dinner and she's going to cook for me. And, you know, this comfort of, the familiar and the things. So some people don't want to go through their things and either give it away or or decide who's it's going to go to, but because they don't want to think about not being here. Yeah. It's nice to have the, you know, open communication as best you can. And your kids, if you have kids are watching how you relate to your parents and that situation of them getting older. So then it's going to impact how they are with you. What I would say there is like going back to values, how we talked about there's certain things are really important to you, like justice is important to me. And one thing my husband tells me when I think about like, oh, well, my two brothers might get this thing from my mom, but that wouldn't be fair. And he sort of turns to me and I I so appreciate it and says, it's just stuff. And in the end, you want to be close with your brothers. So just let it all go. It doesn't matter, especially if you can if you're in a position where you can replace it financially yourself, it's the relationships with your siblings matter so much more. And so we just have to remind ourselves 
all these objects are just a blessing, it's okay if we get none of them because really it's about loving that person who's gone. Mm -hmm. The other day, my daughter mentioned, so her great-grandparents died about five years ago, so maybe when she was six years old, and she walked by the house that they used to live in the other day, and she said, I miss Yemi and Papa, and I miss the way they smell. They smelled, and so she had a certain memory in the smell of them, and so, you know, sometimes, you know, if you ask yourself, what, what brings me joy? Sometimes it could be, I'm going to just keep this shirt that smelled like Papa, and so... Uh, what's nice is in the awareness of of everything is going to change, whether we like it or not, things are going to change. So someday, Yami and Papa aren't going to be here. So how, you know, what do you need to remember them in your heart? Sometimes it is a, an item and that, that that item will trigger or open our heart to the memory of that person Yes. And I can see how there are some memories we forgot we had until we are smelling, oh my gosh, is that tomato sauce? That's what my my mom used to make this, right? And we've, we, you know, it's packed away in our olfactory memory glands or whatever, but that can be how we feel about things. Well, if I don't have this tchotchke from solving, then I won't remember that I went there and had able skivers with my husband before he died. So I, I get that sometimes we we think we need these physical things to touch and see in order to retrieve a memory. And if that's the case, sometimes we can do what you talked about earlier, which is catalog them in a photo. Like sometimes we can take a picture of each of these items and really give them that weight and that importance by having this photo. But then we got to remind ourselves, go back through those photos. If it's important, if we really want to remember this thing, then let's have a relationship with that object that we're keeping and go back and look at it. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of times people will say, oh, I'm I'm keeping this bear because this was my bear when I was little. So I'm keeping it in the playroom with my kid's playroom. And I often say, sounds like that bear is more important to you than it is the kid. So why don't you keep that in your bedroom? Like if it really matters, then interact with it, touch it. If it's just, oh, well, I want to keep it. it. When we hear ourselves saying, just in case or because it's, that's a good indication that it might be time to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And you reminded me of something important too, is sometimes if people are visual, the picture will work. But sometimes if people are kinesthetic, you need that thing yes. to touch, like Papa's shirt, I want it to need the shirt. Yes. Or if they're more olfactory, uh, you need that smell, I don't know. That perfume could, that right, she used perfume, to wear. Yeah. Right, right. So being aware of like would trigger the memory for you. I especially want to leave people with this sense of that it's that it's a fun, uplifting, joyful process. And it will free up energy in doing the decluttering, um, participating with our loved ones. I mean, what an amazing process it would it is to sit with someone and really see them and give them your time and your energy, listen to the story about the things that they may be getting rid of or keeping, just that process in itself would be a lifelong memory for people, things that you'll, you'll always remember that time with your loved one. Yeah, really, when you're decluttering with someone, it's kind of a moment where like a portal opens up in a way because they're so 
a little bit vulnerable, like, oh yeah, this, I feel a little bit of shame because there's a few things here that maybe I forgot about or I haven't gone through. And you can be there being like, it's okay. And to be with somebody when they're feeling a little bit not at their best self is really beautiful if you can show up with grace and acceptance. And then yes, to hear all those stories and to allow them to share with you what's most important, what this thing symbolizes for them can be a lifelong memory. Mm -hmm. That's gorgeous. And you were saying earlier that there's a certain amount of time that you suggest, like a two or three hour window when you're working with this process at that kind of Yeah, it just gets overwhelming. You're making so many little decisions like, oh, I guess I'll keep it. Oh, I won't. Like, have you ever heard that study on habits that we have have only so much self-control that we wake up with in the morning? And then each decision, no, I won't eat that chocolate. Boom. Okay. um, No, I won't yell at her, even though that makes me angry. Each of those choices is sort of chipping away at our concrete amount of resources in the area of self-control. And it's the same with making decisions around what we're going to keep or what we're going to get rid of. It's a bunch of little paper cuts in a way of decisions. And so just two to three hours is the the maximum. That, and you'll think, oh, I'm just going to power through. But what can happen is that you're just like a wet wash rag at the end of that. So don't power through. Instead, give yourself the respect of stopping and um, coming back to it the next day. Decision fatigue. Yes, decision fatigue. Yes, that's a, that's great. Mary, what is your website if people want to get in touch with you? Uh, it's simplicityparentingwithmary.com. Uh, I think you can also find it by my name, maryvangeffen.com. Primarily, what I'm putting out in the world is all on Instagram, and it's sort of daily um, advice on connecting and having a relationship and liking your child and liking yourself. So that's where you can find me putting up stories and videos every day. And I, again, I, I get inspiration from your Instagram posts. And, and not, that's it. That's at Mary Van Geffen. You just search that on Mary Instagram. Mary Van Geffen yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. And not only do I use your tips for my daughter, my young daughter, but also I use the same strategies when I'm working with my mom or clients. So it's It's broad strategies of really, like, just like you said, creating peace and connection with people and things. Yeah. And you're reminding me something. I know we're kind of wrapping up, but you're reminding me that it's important to know what the story is you're telling yourself as you declutter. I've had several clients that, you know, had one who was trying on clothes and saying, oh, I'm such a fat pig. Each time she'd put something on it, I had to stop and say, hold on a second, how do you want to treat yourself during this process? Because that's what would make decluttering awful is if the whole time we're telling a story that's hurtful to ourselves. Um, another client was like, uh, I never did become a great cook. I have all these, why would I invest so much money in cookbooks and not do any cooking? Gosh, I'm so wasteful. And those are really hurtful. So I really want you to be aware sort of it's called metacognition, right? Being aware of the way you're thinking, thinking about the way you're thinking during this process and even committing to what do I want to say to myself when I get to a tough spot of decluttering? What do I want to remind myself about myself? You can write it down at first. I had one lady say, "Um, I am becoming more and more brave 
And when she would sort of have a, a moment of, of feeling insecure, she would remind herself, I'm becoming more and more brave, or um, I'm creating a life that will call people towards me, or I am focusing on my closest people. You know, find that statement and just say it to yourself when you want to beat yourself up because it's important. Something about decluttering sort of puts a mirror in front of us. And so we want to know that we're being kind Mm -hmm. to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great strategy because I think of some of the things that I, some of the, like the bags or boxes I have around my house and I I don't have much because I, I do declutter, but there are still things that I hold on to or or my pants that I bought, you know, when I was a certain size, and I know I'm going to get back there. So they're there on my shelf for that someday maybe, or, you know, that- Someday never comes. Someday is today. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, I love that. Like, be, be aware of the story uh, and be willing to be honest with yourself about the story. And so if I go, hey, I can afford new pants. I may never fit in those pants again, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. It actually, when I bring it to my awareness, I can have a positive affirmation. I can redo the story. But if I don't bring it out, it's just in my subconscious. So in my subconscious is, I am aware of the stack of pants that I have that are a smaller size than I could fit into right now. But I'm ignoring it, but it's still taking up my energy. But if I bring it out and I lay those things out on the table and go, okay, what do you think about that? What's the story about that? Then I'm aware of it and I can deal with it and get my energy back about it and as I make a decision about it. Yeah. And some things that we see are telling us a story and we've given it that story, but it doesn't feel that way. Like I might walk by on my front steps, a plant that's wilted and dead, and I don't even notice it, um, you know, in my, in my conscious mind, but my subconscious is saying, you're such a bad homeowner. You don't take care of your things. Oh, there's that thing you don't take care of. And every time I approach my front door, I'm getting this little message. And so instead, I want to put a living plant there. And so I, oh, look, your house is vitality. Just be be aware of the messages that certain items are sending you, especially gifts and directions you were going to go in your life and then didn't end up. You know, the time to read a book is when you receive it. We have a lot of books that you're, we're going to read. Usually that means they aren't really resonating with us anymore. But don't keep a book that says to you, you know, you are a loser. You never finish anything you're starting. Or you were going to become a real estate agent and you didn't. You know, don't allow a bully in your home in an object. Uh-huh. I see the title. It's Freedom Through Decluttering. It's like with they may have been stories, old stories that we told ourselves, but right now in this moment, we want something new. And so in getting, seeing the old thing, acknowledging the story, and then choosing what do we want the story to be, we regain our energy, we empower ourselves, and we can feel free, and we can actually choose something new with the extra energy that comes forward. We can choose, oh, this really what I want to go do is paddleboard or I want to go traveling. I want to sell this, sell these things. And I really want to travel now. I never, I've never thought of that before because I had all this energy into this old stuff around here. Yes. So we really free up our energy, don't we? Yeah. When there's less things because every item is taking 
a little bit to manage in our brain. Mm-hmm. So follow their lead, witness people's stories, and be their physical helper. Don't spend more than two to three hours at a time. Bring out some tables to lay things out at, lay things out on, and to decide. And ask, what's the real story behind the stuff? Then you get freedom through decluttering. I love that. You did a good job (laughs) of summing that up. Mary, it has been a pleasure. Uh, This is just an amazing uh, topic and Thank you for your time and and what you've offered our listeners. Oh, you're welcome. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. At AgeSage, our aim is to equip you with resources to navigate life's challenges, empower you to make critical choices with your aging loved ones, and enrich your life with a renewed sense of self-worth, self-confidence, and peace of mind. I want to take a moment to ask you to rate, review, and recommend this podcast. Age Sage is a new podcast that we created just for you, but no one will know about it if our listeners don't spread the word. So please take a moment now to review it and share it with friends whom you know would benefit from it. If you have a burning question that you would like me to answer on the show, please head over to agesage.co and leave me a voicemail. There you will also find detailed show notes for each episode and you can download my free ebook, Advocating for Aging Loved Ones. Once again, that's agesage.co, A G E S A G E.co. This is Dr. Cheryl Matthew, and I want to thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to sharing this journey with you. <laughs>